So if you have your Bibles handy, please turn to 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. I will be reading from the original King James Version this morning. Our message is entitled once again, Amazing Grace. And oh, how we each of us need more of his amazing grace. Amen. A newly graduated seminary student, full of ambition, confidence, and biblical knowledge, gets called up to the big leagues to pastor the local church. While this young man, when introduced to the congregation, walked up the center aisle with his head held high. So proud was this young man when he was introduced He was so proud of all of his accomplishments. And as he walked up the stairs to the pulpit where he began to teach, this young graduate delivered an excellent theological expository message full of illustrations and relevant applications for today. But after he was done, his head still held high. He closed up his Bible and notebook And he proceeded to walk down the stairs. And as he proceeded to walk down, this young man trips and falls right on his hands and knees. Imagine that. Suddenly there was a gasp from the audience and sighs. And and people were, were in horror as they were watching this young man on his knees. They were shocked. They were embarrassed for him. And as this young pastor laid there on the ground, one of the parishioners came up to him and knelt down and whispered to him. And he said, if you would have came the way you left, you would have left the way you came. Mm. Food for thought. Proud as a rooster he was. You know, it's amazing how age and experience and time really humbles us throughout our lives. Someone once said, hey, hire a teenager while they still know it all. (laughs) So true. Because once you hit your 50s and beyond, you realize you don't know anything that you thought you knew. Amen. While the Apostle Peter was one such person early on in his ministry, he too was proud as a rooster, confident and very ambitious. But Peter was what you would call incident prone. You've heard of of people being accident prone before, always managing to hurt themselves in one way or the other. Well, incident prone is sort of the same thing, but instead of always stumbling on the furniture or their shoelaces, they always manage to stumble on their own words by saying the wrong things at the right time or even doing the wrong things at the right time. And within the early years of ministry, that's the kind of guy Peter was. Like talking when he should have been listening, or sleeping when he should have been praying. Or what about stepping out when he should have held back? And of course, holding back when he should have stepped out. But the great news and the amazing truth and the glorious fact is that 
Even with all Peter's failures, his setbacks, and all his stumbles during those early years with Jesus, Simon, son of Jonah, made it through to the kingdom of God. And he became a great man of faith and an example to us and for us today. And the way and reason he made it through was because in Luke chapter 22, verse 32, the scripture says that Jesus told Peter, he said, Peter, even though Satan has asked to sift you as wheat, you're going to be all right because I, Jesus, have prayed for you. Imagine that. And maybe today you too are experiencing your own spiritual failures. Perhaps you too have stumbled and said the wrong thing at the right time. Maybe you have spoken out when you should have listened. Or maybe you too have held back when you should have stepped out. Well, whatever has happened or has been said, the good news is that the writer of Hebrews wrote in chapter 7, verse 25, he said that Jesus Christ always lives to make intercession for you and for me. Wow. Praise God. No matter what we have done or how badly we have failed, like Peter, know this, that Jesus has prayed for you and he's prayed for me. All we have to do is trust in him and follow after him. You too, and and as we do this, you too, and myself along with you, will be an example for all to follow. And here is Peter nearing the end of his life, and he's reflecting on the one thing that has helped him through to this very end, and that is the grace of God. Notice what Peter writes here in verse 18, reading again from the uh, original King James Version. It says, But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and forever. Amen. One more time. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and forever. Amen. I don't know much about authorship and the mechanics that go into writing books and novels, but I do know this, that when it comes to writing a book or a novel, there is always great thought and careful consideration when an author comes to closing his writing. The last chapter The epilogue, the final sentence or conclusion is so very, very important. If you were the writer, you would say, well, how do I close this book? How do I take my message to the finish line so that it impacts the readers? Have you ever watched a movie or read a book that had one of those endings that just kind of left you in frozen suspense? No conclusion or or final sentence or scene explaining what just happened. 
You see, without an epilogue or conclusion, the readers are, are left incomplete. They're left incomplete without a closing thought or an idea. And I would say that Peter here was concerned about the importance of his closing thoughts. You see, Peter is not only coming to the end of this epistle, but this is also the last letter ever to be penned by the great Apostle Peter. Because shortly after this, Peter would be crucified, nailed to a cross, upside down. According to the Jewish historian Josephus, when they began to nail Peter to the cross, he cried out to crucify him upside down. He said, I am not worthy to be crucified like my Lord. Wow, what a testimony. And I believe before Peter was put to death, just outside the city of Rome, he remembered, he reflected, and, and he pondered in his old age as he was an old man already. What Jesus told him in John chapter 21, many, many years before. Jesus said, Peter, when you get old, you too will stretch out your hands and they will carry you away against your will. Jesus prophesied how Peter would die. He didn't know it then, but he understood it at the season he was at. And that's why for us, the final words of Peter, his closing sentence is so important for us today. Peter, that big fisherman from Galilee, not only big physically, but more important, he was huge spiritually. After everything he has seen and experienced in his whole life has boiled down to this final thought. Everything he has committed to do, failed to do, and triumphed through has all come to this important, important closing instruction, and that is grow, grow in grace. Not grow in holiness, not grow in discipline, not grow in theology, but grow in grace. For if we were writing this letter, we would encourage the readers to grow in zeal, to grow in knowledge, to grow in sacrificial giving. And don't get me wrong, these are all great things to grow in. But the heart of God has something more greatly important for us to grow in, and that is grace. Paul the Apostle wrote in his last letter to Timothy, right before he was beheaded in 2 Timothy chapter 4, he said, Grace be with you all. Paul also encouraged Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, to be strong in grace that is in Christ Jesus. Not be strong in giving or be strong in service, but be strong, young Timothy, in grace. And grace be with you. 
Even the words of uh, the last words of the book of Revelations, chapter 22, verse 21, declares, The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. So the fact is, whether it's Peter's epistle or Paul's letter or the whole Bible itself, the final word is grace. Grace, grace, grace. And what is grace? It's undeserved, unmerited, unearned favor. It's God giving to you, not because of what you're doing, but in spite of what you have done. It's undeserved favor. It's unmerited blessing. It's unearned kindness. You don't deserve it. You can't earn it. And you don't even understand it. Paul said, for by grace we have been saved through faith alone. So that no man or woman can ever say, I have earned grace and I deserve salvation. We can't boast because it's freely given to us. It's a gift. John helps us to understand this by declaring in John chapter 1 verses 12 and 13. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the sons of God, to those who simply believe in his name. And in verse 13, it says, Being born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man. Which means it wasn't because your parents were Christians or you were born into a certain family. In fact, the desire to come to Christ wasn't even your idea to begin with. Because John said it wasn't by the will of man. Imagine that. You see, the Bible clearly tells us in Romans chapter 3, verse 11, there's none that seek after righteousness. No, not one. Hmm. So that means Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, John chapter 1, verses 12 and 13, declare the reason you and I are here this morning, born again, going to heaven, has nothing to do with anything that we have done. It's all his amazing grace. Undeserved, unmerited unearned favor. It's not because you were seeking truth or because you're a good person or that you happen to be born into a Christian family, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but simply God and God alone, which means he just simply chose to be kind to you. Amazing grace. Not because we earned it, not because we were born into it, and not because our flesh willed it. But he has shown us all grace. And grace, my friends, is not the starting point. It's really the only point. Now imagine for a moment. Imagine for a moment Peter 
reflecting back as he's writing this epistle, reflecting back upon his life and realizing that it was God's grace all along that has guided him through everything he has gone through and has brought him to this point in his life. Where now he finally gets it. He understands it all. And here we have Peter instructing us on the necessity of growing in grace. But let's reflect on Peter's life a little bit before we do that. Remember when Peter said, Lord, even if all were made to stumble because of you, I will never stumble. Peter was so proud, proud as a rooster and confident in himself. Lord, I will never, never deny you. Hmm. What did Jesus say in Matthew chapter 26? Peter, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me thrice. Peter, you will even deny that you ever knew me. That's how deep it went. That's how deep Peter's denial was. It wasn't just that he just didn't know Jesus. He said, I never, I swear, I never met the man. Wow. And remember when Jesus asked the disciples, who, who do men say that I am? It was good old Peter in Matthew 16 that stood up and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Wow. Jesus said, Oh, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not Reveal this to you, but my Father which was in heaven. He has revealed this truth to you, Simon. Boy, I bet Simon's chest was puffed out then. He was excited. He was on Jesus' good side. He was right on. But remember when Peter walked on the water. Lord, bid me to come to you, he said. But as soon as he took his eyes off the Lord, he sank miserably. And even though he failed in faith, Jesus still kept him from drowning by picking him up and placing him back on the boat. As soon as he said, Lord, save me. And doesn't Jesus do the same for you and for me? When we take our eyes off the Lord, we too cry out, Lord, save me. And he picks us up every single time our faith fails. And what does he say? Oh, you of little faith. Get back out there and let's get it right. Let's do it again. Let's walk the road again. And even though Peter was so ambitious, so confident in himself during his early years, he, like us, would fail over and over again throughout his life. And even after Jesus died and he rose again, 
The Bible says Peter and the other disciples were told to to wait for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And what did Peter say? I'm going fishing. I got to get out of here. Peter decided to go back to his old occupation, his old stomping grounds, because he was discouraged. And maybe he lost a little bit of hope. Many times when God becomes silent in our lives, we too are often tempted to return to what we used to do or where we used to go. Because we too get discouraged, like Peter, and and sometimes we lose hope and even stagger at the promises of God. And instead of waiting for God, we often run ahead of God. And as Peter fished all night long, what happened? He caught nothing. He forgot what Jesus said, that apart from me, you can do nothing. But even after all that, Jesus showed Peter even more grace. Children, have you caught any food? He yells out to them, have you caught any fish? And Peter, not knowing it was the Lord, he said, no. Cast your nets on the right side. And as soon as they did, the Bible says a multitude of fish was suddenly caught in their nets. And not just enough fish for them to eat. It was a multitude of fish, more than enough. And that just reminds me that my God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or think according to the power that works within us. Amen. And as soon as Peter discovered it was the Lord that was calling out to them, he dives into the water and swims to the shore, beating everybody there. And as Peter sits down before the Lord, you know, he's soaking wet. He's breathing heavy. He's excited to see Jesus one more time. And what does Jesus do? Well, maybe Jesus should have said, hey, what are you doing here? Didn't I tell you to be waiting over there for the Holy Spirit? He didn't tell him that at all. He showed him love. Jesus had a fire burning on the Sea of Galilee with fish and bread already cooking. He had breakfast for them. The very thing Peter strived so hard for all night long, so unsuccessfully, was in the hands of Jesus all the while. You know, everything we ever strive for in this world is always at the hands of Jesus. Happiness, success, true love, Satisfaction, acceptance, appreciation. But many times instead of waiting upon God for these things to come to us, we cast our nets on the wrong side of God's will. And like Peter, we come up empty every single time. 
and we struggle and we strive to attain. But when we cast our nets on the right side of God's will, guess what? We are blessed. We are blessed, we are fulfilled, and we are satisfied in Him. And instead of Jesus scolding Peter and rebuking him for going back to his old habits, his old ways of life, Jesus looks at Peter and he says, Peter, come and dine. Come and dine. Come and eat with me. And Jesus, because of his love for Peter, he then shows him grace by recommissioning him back into the ministry. He said, Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Tend to my lambs. Feed my flock. He didn't say, Peter, why didn't you listen to me? He said, Peter, do you love me? Do the work. Do the work that I have created you to do. You know, someone once said to me, when God restores you from a fall from grace... He always recommissions you back into the position where you left off. Wow, it's true. And the reason he did it with Peter and the reason he does it with you and and me when we fall is so that you and I can finish the work he has commissioned us to accomplish. Because he that's begun a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. Amen. Feeding the sheep, tending to the lambs and feeding the flock. Amazing grace over and over again. Paul would say in Romans 5.20, where sin abounded, grace abounded much, much more. And here as Peter comes to the end of his life, he is realizing that during those Three and a half years of ministry spent with Jesus, he was a true recipient of that undeserved, unmerited, unearned favor of our loving, gracious God. He didn't deserve it. He didn't earn it. And I'm sure he never understood it. And that is why Peter, as Peter looks back over his life, he pleads with us moving forward to grow in grace. You see, God is looking today for both men and women and for families and churches like ours that he could bless for people that will not give credit to their own confidence, abilities or programs or ideas. Because it's not about our accomplishments, our methods, or our ambitions. It's simply that we are so graciously blessed in Him, by Him, and through Him. Oh, amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I am found. Was blind, but now I see. Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear 
the first hour I believed. Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. Tis grace hath brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. Amen. What did Jesus say to Peter when he failed so miserably? Come and dine. Come and dine. How do you and I grow in grace when we, uh, we simply come to his table? And we dine with him. You say, Lord, thank you for doing it all for me. Thank you for being so kind to me. And thank you for what you have provided for me. Thank you that it's not because of my abilities, my intensity, my anything, but by your grace alone. So let us grow in grace. Stay focused on grace. And as Paul said in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, let's edify one another that it may impart grace to those who hear. Remember, grace is not the beginning. It's everything. I wonder how many of us this morning, like Peter, could look back upon all the seasons of our lives and witness the grace of God And the hand of God leading us, guiding us, and protecting us through to where we are today. You know, maybe you've made some mistakes or failed in some ways like Peter. And if that's true, then you need to know that it's also true that God doesn't cancel the plans and thoughts he has towards you. And he never disqualifies you for the calling he has placed upon your life. Paul said in Romans chapter 11, verse 29, For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. He never takes back the gifts and the talents that he has given to each one of us. For it's the grace of God that we can't earn, don't deserve, and will never fully understand. And to echo the final words of Peter, that great big down-to-earth example to us and for us, to him be the glory both now and forever and ever. Amen. Heavenly Father, we come before you, Lord Jesus, to thank you so much for your grace and your love and mercies. Father, we pray this morning that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear what the Spirit wants to say to each one of us. Lord, we pray for blessings upon all those that are listening in, that are watching in this morning. We ask that you would touch them and that you would bless them. In Jesus' name, amen.